Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week we are back on Zoom, uh, back. joined by Dwayne. Back on Zoom. Back on, which honestly, like, I don't, I don't mind that. I don't mind the being back on Zoom thing. And we did. We, we worked hard last week. We know we deserved to be on Zoom. We, we, yeah, we did. Uh, so, Saturday. So it's. I mean, this is this almost feels like the first episode of the year, even though we're twenty days into the month. Or twenty interviews into <laughs> twenty interviews into the month too, uh, but it does feel like almost like the first episode of the year. Considering our first episode of the year was a pre-recorded episode because I was still in Argentina, and then our episode last week, um, even though it was we recorded on Friday with Jake Landau from uh, it's called Soccer Podcast. Um, it was it, it still feels weird when you're still at the convention because it doesn't feel like a regular episode. It feels like you know we're there's a lot going on around us and. So this There's is always a lot going on. You're wondering who's going to walk past you next. Well, it feels nice because I don't have a whole lot of background noise on my, in my headphones right now. It's just it's just you, which is nice. I'm okay with yeah. that. Um, but I mean, it, honestly, the 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 convention was a great experience. Um, I think we learned a lot from from 2022 in Kansas City. We, we were definitely better prepared for podcast road this year. We definitely were. I mean, it did help a lot that we were at we were close to home. Um, so, you know, obviously the equipment that we we're able to bring was, was a lot, uh, we were able to bring more stuff. We weren't limited to, to, you know, carry on bags. <laughs> yeah, carry -ons. Uh, so it was, it was, it was obviously a lot better because we were able to bring a monitor and, and more stuff. We had a lot of snacks, water bottles and all that other stuff for people. Um, but I mean, I, but at the same time, we also were better prepared from an organizational standpoint, we were able to, um, pre-schedule a lot of interviews which helped out a ton and then we were able to just to find interviews along the way as we were you know as we as we the days went uh yeah, Luis shout out to uh, kyle graves for uh finding us an interview and then taking the interview time away from us <laughs> i got a text message today that he is meeting with this we're not even going to discuss who it was but he is meeting with this he was talking to this person today actually or this week and he's going to bring up the podcast so he's uh if it's not the person from last week, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna. Resign, I'm gonna not be on the episode. I'm gonna boycott no, it, the episode. it'll it'll be that person. Oh, okay, 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 okay. It'll be that person. It'll be that person. He's just so he is still establishing that connection for us. But he said he already had the connection. I mean, it was funny because we didn't think that he knew the guy. Yeah, and he ended up knowing the guy. Yeah, I mean, just to just to give everybody, I, I know we're or he slipped him a twenty dollar bill and said, "Yo, my name is Kyle. <laughs> my <Graves."> name is Kyle." <laughs> Uh, that's funny. uh, but I mean, just to kind of give an, I know we're, we're being very vague here, but I, I want to keep it vague just in case it does come through. I want to be able to <clears throat> make sure that we, we have, we have a little bit of a surprise to it. Um, but it is somebody that's really cool in the, in the college game. Um, so it'd be really cool to, to have them on. Uh, so Kyle is establishing that connection, but just to kind of give everybody an idea, um, we'll, we'll do a little preview here. Um, we were able to interview close to 20 different people um, at the convention. Not only did we interview, did we have those 20 uh, or almost 20 there? Um, we also have a list of people that we are scheduling interviews for um, now that we're back at home, just because of scheduling things that then some things didn't work out. So, I mean, we have interviews pretty much every week until May right now, yeah. but not to mention the things that we're going to be adding on to these in interviews. So, so basically for the next five months, we, we have convention interviews. Five months? Four months. 
the next three six, months, the next six, 15 to 16 weeks. February, March, April. Three yeah, months. we have all of all of April is already covered. Okay. So, um, so just to give you some ideas of the people that we interview, if in case you didn't you didn't see our Instagram post, which you can follow our Instagram at the soccer podcast at the soccer podcast on Instagram. Uh, but just in case you didn't see that, um, we interviewed uh, JP Della Camera. Yes. And if you don't know who that is, YouTube him. Huh? YouTube him. YouTube him. Get your VHS tapes out and uh rewatch some Philadelphia Union games. Um yeah, YouTube him, Google him, a longtime broadcaster. Uh he is he is known as the voice of women's soccer to a certain extent. It's true. <clears throat> He's known as the what the voice of, of US women's soccer. Uh from a broadcasting standpoint, that was an absolute honor for us to to interview him. Um we interviewed Tom Shields, who was a returning guest for us, uh, who is one of the smartest and most, um, I would say, one of the best soccer professionals out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he is, not only that, not only is he like, he's just really fun to talk to. Um, we interviewed some local people. We interviewed Pat Kilby. We interviewed Scott Mosier. Uh, Bob so Boos. We interviewed Bob Boussier. So we interviewed some, some longtime delaware people that are influential to the to the sport from a high school level um we interviewed uh mike barr uh longtime epysa technical director and longtime u.s soccer instructor uh both of our former instructor he was our former instructor um so we we interviewed him and that was that was really great because he he's just really fun to to talk to uh, I interviewed some personal friends of mine, which was really cool for you to meet. I interviewed Tyler Hudson. Uh, we had a mutual connection with Tyler mutual, Hudson. You had a mutual connection uh, from Fayetteville. Vietnam. That, did I get? Did I get it right, Fayetteville? Just go, just go Vietnam. <laughs> so from Fayetteville Soccer Club. Um, Vietnam Soccer Club. That's which, what they should change it to. Which is cool because Tyler's going to connect us to Villarreal and to try to get some some um, some interviews with some Villarreal people. As well, we interviewed Amy Winley, uh, who who I've known from from Tennessee, and I got to work with her when I lived in in Knoxville, and she was she was a longtime um, competitions director for the Tennessee Soccer Association. Um, and then we got to interview some cool people that we hadn't known before, yeah, uh, like Dr. Bob Stern, who's doing yeah. an impact uh, research project with people over forty that played soccer at any level of the game. Yeah, did you sign up for it? Hits.org. H I T T S. No, H I T S S. Dot org. Dot org. Hits.org. Um, um, you still have your brain? Huh? You still have your brain? Yeah, my kids have the brains. <laughs> <laughs> I gave my brains to the kids. They loved them. They thought they were, they were hysterical. Um, but I gave them each one, and then I had one in my backpack. So they each like wrote their names on there, on each of their brains. <laughs> And then the next day I had like, I pull out, I like that night after they went to bed, I pulled the one from my bag and I put it on the table and they came out and they're like, where did this come from? They're like freaked out. So that was, that was pretty funny. Got to bring um, gifts back for the kids. Of course. Always um, interviewed Alan Black, who is the uh, head of uh, town recruitment for, for pro referee, um, which was, which was really cool. Uh, Mark Lydon, uh, U.S. youth futsal uh, goalkeeper coach. 
Um, that, that interview is to be to be continued. <laughs> not only that, so I will, I will, I will. Uh, a big shout out to Mark because when we when we tagged him on our Facebook post or our Instagram post, he automatically messaged us and said, uh, "When are we doing part two? <laughs> so he's ready to go. Um, so Mark, if, if Mark's listening, man, I, I tried your technique with the futsal, no hand or no no gloves. I gave up a goal. The only goal I gave up in the half. <laughs> so I had to put the gloves on. I made it work. I think and part of it was the ball was block, flat. You're trying to catch, man. Don't, don't catch. Remember, he said it. Futsal is blocking. How do you block? Answer this. How do you block a flat ball? Because if you block it, it just goes boom right in front of you. Why are you trying to? Why are you trying? Why are you playing with flat soccer balls though? I didn't supply the futsal. You uh, know, you uh, know, uh, no, you know no, how no. I show up to the field. Yeah, yeah, super pumped up, especially super a pumped. Football, man. Uh huh. Can't play with a flat futsal ball. That's his. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> that that ball. I went at halftime and like threw it across the gym. I was like, yeah, don't, don't look for this. I need to. <laughs> um, we interviewed Sly Yates from Meta, uh, Meta Sport FC, uh, from Utah, Utah, Utah. Yeah. Utah. Um, we interviewed Ada Greenwood from TGS, Total Global Sports. Yes, um, technologies. Which, by the way, so yeah, not only that, like if you talk about uh, like the the reach that TGS has, um, they're the ones that supply all the scheduling for ECNL. Wow. So, um, so that research there. Yeah, like that. <laughs> um, Good plug in there. Yeah. Um, and then we interviewed Therese Cologne. Well, that interview is coming out next week. Uh, she is the CEO of the U.S. Center for Safe Sport. Um, and then um, Cassidy Weiss, um, youth programs manager for for U.S. Uh, United Soccer Coaches. Um, and she's actually, all the member clubs. And yeah, and she's actually coming back on in a couple of weeks and bringing in the staff. Uh, some staff members to talk about the convention and what goes into planning for the convention. And then we'll hopefully get some previews on CoachCon and also on Anaheim Time 2024. You think they got some funds to fly us out to Anaheim? We might be the first people to talk about Anaheim, so maybe. I'm just saying. Like, just saying I know yeah. United Soccer Coaches has a podcast, technically. No no, no disrespect to Dean Linky. Like, obviously, much respect for Dean, but we're, we're trying to get our we're trying to move saying, our position up next i'm to just Dean. saying i'm just trying to you know we're trying to be the unofficial official podcast of united soccer coach <laughs> <laughs> we're trying to we're trying to we're trying to lobby for that spot at podcast to, row next year <laughs> listen here's how i look at it so so the, you have the united soccer coaches podcast is the official podcast of united soccer coaches right right they're the ones that are in theory a little bit more formal mm-hmm. and here's us who are Slightly giving out koozies. Yeah, man, we're slightly less informal. We're a little more. I'm not saying that Dean Linky's not fun. I'm just saying, like, we're 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 just trying to we're talk we're we're just trying to do something different. We're look. I mean, Dean shows up suit and tie, right? Yeah, I showed up in shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There, there, there's you. We're showing up in next when we go to Anaheim. It's going to be a little bit warmer, man. We might flip flops. We might be recording by the pool. Yeah, there you go. Podcast, podcast row might be. We might podcast move our podcast boat. to poolside. Podcast boat. <laughs> there you go. The DE Soccer Podcast Yacht Party. Yeah, that, now we're talking. Now it's a different. All right, I like tickets, that. Tickets coming soon. Ticket prices will be announced in the next couple months. Yeah, you get a you get a special. I mean, 
listen, we're already lobbying to try to get ourselves in a coach con for free uh, somehow. Uh, so to be the only podcast at coach con. There you go. It, it, so we had a lot of questions during the, the convention about the fact that we're like, well, you're the, you're the only talk about Delaware soccer. No, it's really just to play on words. Um, the D soccer podcast part of it is just because we both happen to live in Delaware. Yeah. Um, and the soccer podcast, like T H E soccer podcast, I think was probably taken. So it's just as a way to kind of pull, use a play on words, talk about the fact that we both live in Delaware and coach in Delaware. Uh, but realistically, like, yeah, it's cool that we talk about Delaware soccer, but I mean, we just did the most interviews, I think, of Delaware people. Like, we have a lot of interviews of Delaware people on the podcast that we did sure. at the podcast that we didn't do in Delaware, right? We had yeah, to travel true. outside of Delaware. Yeah. I mean, even last year, right? We did Wayne Cox, right? He lives in Delaware, <laughs> but we had to travel to Kansas, Kansas City. City to see him, yeah. Tom Antonelli, we had to travel to Kansas City just to get him on there. Yeah, it's true. But realistically, we we do this. It, it we we're international, man. We're not trying to, we're not, we're not only staying local we're international so i'm giving cassidy a preview of what's to come for an interview and when we talk to her again and now we're in front of other people from the u.s united soccer coaches we're gonna bring up we're trying to be the unofficial official podcast of these of the united soccer coaches there you go we're uh we're trying to get that good spot at podcast row yeah we're, we're so you know how you know how all these shows all these shows have like that after show like uh, yeah. uh like the walking dead had the talking dead and then yeah know, the stuff Bre- afterwards breaking bad had talking bad and all that stuff you know how you know again united soccer Co- coaches podcast we're the after party to the united soccer coaches podcast we're we're the yeah we're the yeah. after party we're, we're the after party you can you can come do an interview at the delaware coaches social there you go perfect <laughs> I, like I like that uh and then um we had the absolute pleasure to uh interview uh very briefly before she had to check out from her hotel uh marguerite alzaza ucla women's head coach national champion ucla women's uh soccer coach well she had that late checkout hopefully ucla picked up the tab check your check your or check your mailbox sebastian make sure she didn't yeah hopefully not uh but yeah and then um today's interview which we'll listen to in a, in a, in a brief moment um, is with, uh, I won't even give you who it's with. I mean, obviously if you're listening to the podcast, you'll know who it's with, but uh, cause you, you might've read the description or the Instagram post, but, um, but I will say that this was a really cool interview. Um, this is the reason why we started this podcast. I think at the end of the day, the reason why this podcast started was because it was a way to have the conversations that we were normally having during the, before the pandemic, on the field um and just in general when you're out and about or when you're out to dinner at a tournament or something like that but at the same time it was also a way to connect people together and talk about different things other than i absolutely love the podcast that talk or the shows or tv things or whatever it is that talk about you know this player should be playing like this and why does this player do this or why does this player do that or tactically and this and that and that's fantastic and I and I'm not denying the fact that you and I have those conversations a lot of the times before the podcast or after the podcast. You and I will talk technique or tactics and things like that, or we'll do it via text message quite a bit. But this podcast, even though there's been moments where we had those conversations on the podcast, specifically when it's just me and you talking about international soccer, um, this podcast was was created in a way to talk about 
the other side of the game, right? The, the off the ball stuff, the, you know, how to, how do you become a coach? What goes into coaching education? What happens when coaching sucks? And what happens when moments are difficult? What happens with parent education? What happens with, or how does, how does youth soccer work at the, at the MLS level? Right. And how do, how do MLS academies or MLS clubs connect with their, with their local community? And how do you, and I think one of the things I think is how do you maintain that club neutral, right? That's a big, it's a big topic big that we do, we dove into is club neutral, you know, speaking about the Philadelphia union, um, there's a lot of clubs in that area. I mean, big clubs, small clubs, community clubs, um, satellite clubs, there's just a lot of clubs in that community and, and, you know, they do a good job of just club neutral and helping to develop players for their community, obviously we've seen the Brendan Aronson's, the Mark McKenzie's, the Paxton Aronson's now that have gone overseas and, and they're the pillars. They're the, they're the ones that, you know, everybody wants to aspire to be like, and then we have, you know, just the players that are there to just get better and, and, um, you know, just go to high school, be a good high school player. They want to just improve small parts of their game. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's listen to our guest. Uh, we are we are joined here by David Pedikin. He is the general manager of the Philadelphia Union Youth Programs. Uh, David, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thanks. Uh, let's talk about. Let's go so, straight to the point because that's where he went straight to the point. He went straight he sat to the down. point. Yeah, he went. He was like, "We're not messing around. This is what we're doing." Let's talk about uh, the youth affiliate program. Yeah, let's, let's just dive in. Let's, right? let's, let's talk about it because the the youth affiliate program has grown tremendously for the Philadelphia Union over the last couple of years. Obviously, the success of the of the first team probably helps. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, they're, they're killing it on you know, on the field, and uh, what's really nice is that that spills over to, to a feel good factor in the soccer community. So yeah, we get, we get we get a lot of interest in it, which is fantastic. So tell us about the the Philadelphia Union Youth Program and how that the affiliate program and how that works, and then what the le- different layers of it are. Yeah, so a couple of years ago, the MLS rolled out a program called the, the, the Official Affiliation Program. There was a lot of MLS clubs that had already had affiliations and partnerships with clubs, but it was never a, an official league. Affiliation, and um, with that becomes a, um, a restricted amount of parameters on what you have to follow in guidelines that we have to follow internally. Um, and so the biggest thing for us was to reconnect with the soccer communities and the soccer clubs and let them see exactly what we're trying to do and what we can do for their club in particular. So two years ago, MLS rolled this out. Um, we went out and kind of explained this to clubs on how this could best best benefit their particular club. The biggest question we had back is, is it the same for every single club? Um, what we've done is we've actually structured it and we had some um, leeway with the league that we've structured it to make sure that it's the needs of every individual club um, so that way then they best benefit what we're going to offer. So a really good example is um, some clubs that we work with may be just recreational level clubs and so we have to gear our training methods and ideas to best capture the imagination of those players that that, that level and then we work with elite level players players that may be looking to push into high school college and and even the professional game and that is a more intense curriculum 
um, a methodology that we've got from our, our academy and that we and we deliver that. So the affiliation program, you know, we, we've only been in existence for the affiliation program for two years, two and a half years now. And in two and a half years, we've gone from zero to 30 clubs. And we've got two more just about to come on in 2024 as well. And when you consider that's a, a player base of about 15 to 17,000 soccer players. That's a lot of kids. That we work with, you know, on a year-round basis. Now, the cool thing is, it, you know, you don't need to work with us on a weekly basis. You could pick a block of eight weeks, whether it's during the season, lead up to the season, during the winter break. You can pick and choose when you want to work with us, and we just basically plug and play you into our calendar. It's awesome. I mean, I feel like for Delaware specifically, you know, you, there's three clubs in the state of Delaware that are that are part of it, right? Delaware FC, uh, Sporting Delaware, and River Soccer. That's Club. correct. Yeah. Yeah. So all three soccer clubs. And I feel like each three, each of the clubs are based in a different location that I think is potentially, specifically River, right, which is a little bit further south from everybody, and, and that that gives them keeps them connected to the Philadelphia Union. Um, can you talk about the PPP program? Yeah, so the PPP program was a uh, it, it started off three years ago as pretty much a supplemental Friday night program, um, and we, we started out in Conshohocken in, in Pennsylvania, and I, I personally started that and advertised it, and we had around thirty kids for our, for our first session, and then it evolved and developed um, when the interest got out and the type of training we were providing um, in regards to. What night it was on was very specific, um, and we chose that for a reason because most soccer clubs don't train on a Friday train night. On Fridays, right? We try and make it technical and skill based rather than physical because they got games at weekends. Yeah. The last thing we want to do is burn them out and get them injured. So the reputation of the program became like, very strong. And when you fast forward now from me doing it with 30, 35 kids, you know, three years ago. We've now got 750 kids registered on a year-round basis. So basically, this is a hybrid club. Now, one of the things that we were very adamant about was this club has to be a Switzerland. It can't conflict with their club environment and their club commitments. If there's a conflict, the club always comes first unless the club gives specific um, permission. Good example is we're taking eight teams down to the Disney Showcase um, at President's Day weekend uh, in February, and some of the kids um, might may have had conflict with their clubs because it's a special event. Um, they've been granted permission to come and play for the Philadelphia Union. What's really cool is we're going to have kids 1,500 miles away wearing Philadelphia Union uniforms, walking around Orlando representing us, representing our brand at one of the best showcase tournaments um, in the country. So that's pretty cool. Awesome. And, is that, and is, that, is that open to any player or is that part of the affiliate program? No, it's open to any player. So anyone can try out. So we have a bunch of players that actually play for us that not their clubs are not connected with us on the affiliation level. Um, and the really cool thing about the program is um, we didn't want to gear it just for the elite player. So we have three tiers to that and we, we, we've done it deliberately in the union colors. So we've done gold, navy and white tier. What's really cool though is the parents in the white tier, which is the lowest tier, they trust us and believe that they're getting the same training as a gold tier player. Absolutely. We're delivering the same curriculum to all three tiers, same coaches. So they're going to deliver, you know, just because you may be a B or C level player, our goal is to put you in an environment that you're challenged, that you can develop, and it's fun. And so these tiers, they are modified, but the curriculum and the philosophy and the methodology of that program is very, very consistent from top to bottom and bottom to top. And I feel like that's also a message that probably 
it should be a message sent around the world, right? <laughs> yeah, right. That because I feel because like if I coach a B, if I coach an A and a B team at a club, I'm not going to coach them differently. But the way that the players respond, the way that they, the, the actions that they take and how quick they pick things up will differentiate because that's why some players are A-level players and some players are B-level players. Like I guarantee you there's C-level, your, your white-level teams probably have to do a little bit more repetition, a little bit more repetition, a little bit more repetition. You're, you're exactly right. And your gold-level players, it's probably like, hey, can you move like this? And then you go, right? It's just simple instructions. Well, they get through, they get through the, the module a little bit quicker, obviously, right. because they, and, and you're talking about children from the age of 15 down to nine. Um, um, obviously, in their age-specific groups, we do try to challenge them like the academy. So every now and then, we will have them play up right. um, it, it within training. But any competition, special competition they play, it's mandatory they play up a year. Even the white tier players, right? We're testing them. And listen, this this summer, all three tiers, someone went and got their butts kicked. But the parents were happy because the kids are getting challenged. And the feedback that we're getting from the parents is the training that we're providing is so different from the training they receive at the club. And that's not a knock on the clubs. Right. You know, we're delivering a, a curriculum from the best academy in the United States of America. Two years in a row, Tommy Wilson's done an incredible job of his staff to develop that curriculum and given us access to it. So how cool is that? So now we're delivering the union way to players that would never have seen unless you're an academy player. And that's all thanks to Tommy and his guys. Well, and I think that's also like, so I think it's a big part of, and I think it sends a message across. I feel like there's there's clubs and we've, we've all seen it and we've all been at times a part of it where if you're, if you're quote unquote B-level player or your second team player, sometimes you, you get a second team coach or you get the coach that's maybe not as experienced Agreed. as that. And, that, and that's, and we and we can we can we can sit here and agree or disagree with that that works or not and maybe that works for the environment but we can all agree on the fact that those players are not going to get the same level of training the same level of development as if they train with a quote unquote first team coach. You know you know, you know what's really frustrating for me is it seems to be the word B team and C team is a taboo word, yeah. right? And I don't know if it's from the parents and the parents kind it's of perception. ego. Yeah, I mean. It, it's, it's a little bit heartbreaking, you know, because I, I always say play for the love of the game, yeah. right? I, I, I personally don't care if you want to be a professional player, you want to play in college or high school, what I care about is you're here and you're here now and you want to learn, you want to play. Absolutely. Right? So love the game. And I feel like ability-based teams, as long as they're explained correctly, ability-based teams are just so that way the balance of challenges and success works for you. Because if the bar's too high, then you're not going to experience any, any success and that becomes demoralizing. And if the bar's too low, you're not going to experience any challenges and then that's not fun anyway either. Absolutely. Right? So ability-based ability teams, as long as they're explained correctly, all have to do with the ability to have players be in an environment where, where they're going to be appropriately challenged. Not only for the players, for themselves, but the players around them too that are going to be able to challenge the player. We, we, we say to the parents a lot you know the, the the game is a very simple game it comes down to these components one can I receive the ball um, and can I get the ball under control can I get my head up and I can't make a decision right and we call it control vision decision can I get under control can I look and what choice am I going to make 
there's not many things that you can do with a soccer ball. It's pass, dribble, or shoot. Absolutely. <laughs> right? That's it. So, so we t- we've now broken it down to three even simpler components. Yeah. Now, the, the skill is, one, can I do it on a consistent basis? That makes me a little bit better. Can I do it um, under pressure? Yeah. yeah that makes me even huge. better. So the difference between a gold player and, and a white player may be the gold level player can probably receive a ball under pressure probably 60% of success rate. The white player may be 30% of success rate. They can still do it, but they do it at their own levels. So what we're trying to explain to the parents through this program is it's okay to be a white level player Navy level player and gold level player what your job is is to make yourself better through this environment and this challenge be the best white level player blue Navy level player gold level player you can be absolutely do you find that or have you found that players do stick out and you're, you you potentially think that they might be academy level players or have the ability to identify like is, is it used at, at times as an identification we've had 22 players from the PPP sign for the pre-game Awesome. That's awesome. But that wasn't the ultimate goal. It's not goal. by design, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not by design. That wasn't the ultimate goal. We just happened to find these players, it really right? wasn't. And so what's really cool is Tommy sends his staff out, and they come to a lot of our ID events. We just had an ID event um, in, um, I think it was September, August, September time. We had 200 players register for it just to get into the PPP. So you're bound to find something. Right, right, something's bound to slip through the cracks, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And so what we've done this year, this year was a brand new model for the PPP. This year, we made it a mandatory year-round model. So they pay one fee broken into four payments spread out across the year. Um, they've allocated their tiers. And what Phil, Griff, uh, Phil Griffiths m- managed to do was he basically put them into kind of internal teams. Um, and that way then they've now got affiliation with the coach and, are, and they're, they're consistent with that same coach and they're familiar with that coach and the players they're playing with on a, on a weekly basis. And that, that's become very different, whereas before, we changed the groups up each week um, and they had a different coach each week. I'm not saying one way is better than the other. What we're trying to do each year, we're trying to do something a little bit different. Right. We're just trying to figure out which model works the best, right? Because And it could be that you know, the teams work this year and they get a whole new group of players and the routine coaches with, right? Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I hear this a lot. Hearing a different voice is a good thing. I don't disagree with that. I also think hearing a consistent voice gives you a bit of confidence in that coach, especially in our environment. Our coaches are trained to not be negative. They're trained to be um, challenging for the player. They're trained to make sure that the directive they're given is clear and precise. So every player knows exactly what they're doing. But the last thing we want is a kid to walk away from our training session not happy. Now they may not be happy because they've just lost. They, they lost in the last second of a you know the, the little scrimmage we had yeah. at, the, at the end of the game. But we're about but the actual environment itself. Um, no player at the at the PPP is allowed to talk about the club they're at. When they're there, they're union. They all wear their union training kits. They don't talk about what club they're from. We don't want to hear that. There's no. Rec- we don't allow any recruitment from 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 player to player. Our coaches work for all a variation of different clubs as well. Um, we have full-time coaches. We also have some part-time. They're not allowed to wear any of their um, club uh, uniform kit or talk about the club they're at. Um, it's very very important that we do that. Also, we make sure the coaches are not coaching the the age group that they would at their club. Yeah. We try and keep that separate as well. So that way, then no one can. You know, we there's can. Look no, pe- there's no. There's no. You eliminated all the recruiting. Correct. So we're, we're trying to eliminate the problem before they even happen. Well, and I also I think I think not only do you look at it from from that risk management perspective, I also think 
you create, which which is the the probably the the other side of this, which is you creating fans of the game and you're creating fans of the union, right? Yeah. Because every single one of those players, you hope goes to the game, watches the game, buys a jersey and all that stuff, which then ultimately helps the the first team, which then you know them helps the youth program yeah. and everything else, yeah. right? So if the first team is successful, everyone else is successful. So there's a common theme with the union, right? It's it's all about the community, right? It's it's. But I feel like it has to be, right? We it's been a consistent message, you know, from everybody we talked to. We from sat the union. we sat down with Alex Carrington, who's one of the group sales managers, and we we've known him for a long time, and and that's a big part of it, right? It's it's the the community out the community outreach perspective, but also just to keep people coming back, right? He was mentioning the fact that season tickets. Uh, are growing. They're going to have yeah. a wait list very soon. Yeah, right. So I think, I think and, and I hope I'm right in saying this, I heard that we're sold out for every game next year. Right. So, I mean, yeah, they, said, yeah, they said they put a hold on season tickets. they got to go to a waiting list for season tickets. That's the first time in the history of the union. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so yes, of course you want as many kids wearing union jerseys. Now you're, you're, now you're expanding it to go into Florida with the union jerseys. Yeah. So I think it, I think in, and I've and I've gone I've been lucky enough to to have gone a tour of YSC and the academy before a few years back and and even walking through that environment and I think this this idea of uh, of coaches aren't allowed to be negative and the players and the, and the expectations I think it speaks to the fact that again I'll, I'll, I will always bring this up especially I will bring every anytime somebody from the Philadelphia Union is here I will bring up this moment. We walked by, it was myself and Dan Simmons was one of our coaches uh, that I used to work with at Delaware Union. We're walking by, and every single academy player that walked by us introduced them, stopped, and introduced themselves, and then they kept going. So that, it, That's the culture that, that's, that, that Tommy Wilson and Ian Monroe before him yeah. and Tommy Wilson have, have, have ingrained in, you know, in our club. And, you know, it doesn't take any effort whatsoever to do that. Yeah. Right, and it it made a lasting impression it on did. you, one hundred percent, because you're still talking about it oh, now. Yeah. And I think that you know pe- people outside of our club do, don't see those little things. And the, the, these guys that work are in our organisation, they're disciplined, they're polite, they're professional, and they're very humble as well. Let's talk about summer camps, the other layer yeah. of the youth program. Yes, uh, so that uh, I mean. Wow, so, so a busy time of year, right? <laughs> so, so my understanding is we had more summer camps than any other MLS club um, this past year. So we had just over eighty camps wow. this year. Um, so if you think so, four years ago we had probably three hundred players at camp when I took over um, the youth department. This year we had just over three thousand. Wow, um, from the middle of June to the middle of August. Awesome. Um, so it's the most we've ever had um, at summer camps in in the history of the union. So it was fantastic and again that's part of that's part of both affiliate program and also if a club is not part of your affiliate program they're allowed to contact you for summer camps right uh, absolutely and, 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 uh, you know apart so we have a, a variation of different camps so we have what we call a community level camp so we may partner with a township and we deliver more of an experience camp so, so players can come in and they might do things like um, skills and drills they might do fun 3v3 world cup competition they might do some fun games and we give away some giveaways and fan comes out that's kind of our unique experience camp um, then we have more of our competitive camp and a competitive camp is you know kind of like a 60-40 camp where we do 60% of developmental um, techniques and drills in a fun environment 
um, and a more challenging environment than what the community camp was. And then we have our elite level camp. And our elite level camp really is what we give our pre-academy level players, you know, the PPP level players as well. So we do put them through their paces. So we try and make it perfectly clear what you're signing up for. Yeah. Now, one thing we can't control, because it's an open enrollment, we can't control a, you know, a, a CB level player sign up for an elite level camp. We don't, we haven't put the restrictions on that. So, I, so sometimes it could get a little frust bit frustrating for a player who has an exceptional talent and they're probably playing with players that maybe are below their level. I get that. And that's probably a flaw in our part that we really have to kind of modify, I think, as we move forward. Um, but the other thing that we're really excited about, especially with the camp business, is our new sportsplex. So the sportsplex yes. is coming, right? And, you know, you guys have probably seen what that's going to do. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's going to be the best in the MLS, hands down, right in the shadows of Subaru Park, right? You know, mile of water, a mile of waterfront that we have there, you know, with the six fields, the indoor complex, the, the performance complex. I mean, it is, this thing's going to be state of the art. And imagine now, not just soccer though, right? Imagine now all those other sports that, that are going to come down. They're going to wonder what, what's this union about? lacrosse players, basketball players, um, field hockey players, um, flag football players, players that probably weren't soccer players. Now they're coming down to a state-of-the-art sportsplex and seeing all these soccer signs and soccer fields and soccer stadium. What's soccer? Right? Correct. Can you sign me up for a camp, Mom? Uh, yeah. And, and, and so the goal for us is, is when we have their attention, Let's keep their attention. Let's keep it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you awesome. develop developing fans of the game. We develop. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even if they don't stick with soccer, maybe they just come to a game and enjoy coming to a game. Absolutely, hundred percent. Right? I mean, twenty twenty six is right around the corner, yeah. and that World Cup's coming. So hey, well, we also need referees too. They might be referees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Might be and, and, and we need some. You know, it. it, it I'm glad you. I'm glad you. You, you uh, touched on that. I find it a little bit sad. I watch a lot of youth games, as you could imagine, and I think the the aggression and the comments towards young teenage referees from grown adults I think it, it, it's sad it, it's a little bit heartbreaking I'm stood there you know and I'm neutral and I'm watching it and, I, I, and this is the reason why we don't have young referees it hurts it, hurts, it, it, it comes full circle and it hurts us right yeah you know, it's, it, you know my son coaches and, and, and I said to him you know remember there's all eyes on you when you're coaching um your challenge is not the referee. Your challenge is to figure out how you're going to win that game yeah. and put all your focus on that. And I'm, I'm yeah. pleased that, that he does. And, and there's a lot of coaches that do, but obviously a lot of coaches that just, it, they just go off the handle, you know, and, and it's sad. I, I find that sad. So uh, I, I know we weren't going to talk about referees, no, but yeah, you but mentioned it. No, but it's, 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 no, it's, it's, it's good to hear voices like you're not affiliated, obviously, on the youth side, right? But it's good to hear that point of view from you. Because, you know, we had a referee on, and we'll, we'll air that interview, but we're just getting that different perspective from different people to understand. Like, it's a chronic problem. Everybody sees it the same exact way, right? It's starting from the sideline, either if it's the coaches or the parents, they're just running the, the youth referees out of the game. Right? Yeah. Well, here's the, other, here's the other level of it that sometimes can go unseen when you're coaching or unnoticed, right? You're watching a youth game, right? Next thing you know, right? You and I, you and I have met before. We you exchange emails, but you and I sat in a meeting, and then as soon as you sat down, you're like, "Oh wait, we sat in a meeting." Yep. Yeah. Right. So, let's just say David's out at a at a field and sees Sebastian screaming and yelling at a referee, being an absolute clown. Right. Let's just say now I want to 
I want to reach out because I want to try to do something else from a coaching standpoint. I want to grow from a coaching standpoint. We sat down for a meeting and go, wait a minute. You're the, you're the guy that was doing that, but now you want to work here too, right? Like, I, it does come full circle, right? There's there's lev- there's different levels. First of all, you never know who's watching, right? Like, that's the, like the number one rule. You never know who's watching you, you coach. Um, but, but even from a development of a coaching perspective, right? You have coaches that I'm sure reach out to you constantly wanting to coach. Yeah, there are, and, you know, and we're always looking for, for young coaches. Um, you know, part of our, part, see, part of our responsibility at the Philadelphia Union is not just to develop players, it's also to develop young coaches. Absolutely. You know, one thing we haven't spoke about um, uh, is you know, the coaches that have gone through our youth programming and now work in the academy. So we've had now four people that have come, that started in the youth and now work in the academy environment. So now, the, you know, which for us is fantastic. Yeah, that absolutely. means now we're developing and growing coaches. And there's no one better to look at than Jim, right? Yeah. Jim started at YSC Academy, right? Yeah. You know, YSC running the junior, the junior blues, young blues, um, and then just developed as an incredible coach and now two-time coach coach of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just phenomenal. He's one of ours. He, he's a homegrown He's homegrown, yeah. 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 You know, well, I mean, Kevin, Kevin Coleman's the same thing, right? Be careful when contract coach. negotiations come up. Homegrown, <laughs> <laughs> homegrown. Home <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> so, you're right. Kev, Kevin's another wonderful coach, and you know, and wonderful person. So, you know, it's. I, I think it's very important. You know, you know, people, young young people, capture their energy and their habits from what the coach is putting out there. If I go there and I, I, I'm flat. My session is going to be flat. flat yeah. If I go there and I'm pumped and I'm hyped, and the the kids buy into that, the session, even if it may not be a great technical session, it's going to be a good it's session. High, high energy in it. Correct. All right. So we have one more one more layer to the youth program. Yeah. So our youth train program. Youth train. Yeah. So our youth train. Fourth pro- pillar. Yeah. So our youth train programs are, uh, was. It's been it's relatively new in the in the past six months. Um, we kind of rebranded it. Um, it was a, it was called the UDP Union Development Program. Yep. Um, we've now brought the Union Development Program under the PPP umbrella. So that's the kind of very first layer before the PPP White Navy and Gold. Um, so U Train is basically an open enrollment program. Any any player from any club can register for it. Um, it, it is a a curriculum of the um, Union Academy that we deliver based on the age group that we're working with. Um, but again, it's an open enrollment, which means you may have players that play at a lower level club and a higher level club in the same environment. Again, that's probably a flaw in our part, but our goal is still try to capture the imagination of the player and how we can develop those players in that environment. The thing is, we always tell players, your team is only as good as your 18th player. Absolutely. And sometimes parents forget that. Yeah. Right? Parents, parents because, think about the top three or four. Because that 18th player is the one that shows up to every game, shows up to every practice, and always works the hardest. So when you're down five players, and that player 18 now becomes you know, player number 13, Somebody's going to need a sub at some point. You know, right? so, so, so personal experience of mine many years ago. So we're coaching a game, and it was just a league game. It wasn't a state cup game. It wasn't a region one game. It wasn't a national league game. It was a league game. Nothing on it. Um, I, th- I, I think I can't remember. We're top of the league or near the top. Anyway, we're playing one of the best teams. Um, we're one-one, and 15 minutes to go. 18th player on my roster got in for a little bit in the first half. 
um, 15 minutes to go in a 40 minute game. So I put them on for the last 15 minutes. He gives the ball away, we lose 2-1. Okay, I'm fine with that. Absolutely. Parents lost their minds. Right? Why in the game? Over a game. My, my answer to them was, listen, how will we cope when the chips are down and he has to be put into an environment where he's never been before in a real game like the State Cup final or the Region 1 final or the National final. If I need that player to go in and he hasn't experienced that environment before, then we're going to lose anyway. I'd much rather him make that mistake in a game that really means nothing. And learn from it. And learn from it. And parents don't get that. No. It's all about the W's, and, and that's scary for me. And I'm in a fortunate position now where you know we are club neutral, so we we, we kind of get we're like the grandparents. We get to work the kids and give them back, <laughs> right? Um, so I don't have those conversations anymore, and I don't particularly miss those conversations. But you know, for us, you know. We don't have to worry about the W's. The W for us is the kid walking off the field smiling. Absolutely. And the kid wanting to come back for the next program. That's the win. But I almost feel like But I almost feel like that speaks to the, the that speaks to the, the thing that we all want, right? And I feel like if if I think it proves the the fact that it can work, right? If a player is able to go into a training session environment Potentially at a, into a game environment, right? You have, you have teams going to a tournament um, and walk away with a smile regardless of the result or anything like that. Basically, they had a session where they made a bunch of mistakes because it's a way of learning. And then now they're able to grow from that and they have a smile on their face. And the parent is happy with that because at the end of the day, every parent wants the best for their kid, right? I, I, I feel like there's got to be a way to translate that into going... You can have that every other day of the week, yeah. where you, wherever you are, just just hold on to that feeling. It's just like just just hold on to that because yeah. it's you can have it. It's it's you, no different. You know what would be a really cool rule if, if if I had the power at US Soccer, and they said to me, "What's one thing you would change in the youth game?" I would say it is mandatory for clubs to play a player if they were sub on game one they have to start on game two yep. for a minimum of 15 minutes or a minimum of 25% of the first half right because that way then the problem is even at low level soccer um, in this country people have their starting group and the subs are always the subs yep we had this conversation that, yesterday. But we have those players. We have those players that, like you said, you know, the whistle blows, the ref blows the whistle to start the game, and you have the players. You don't even have to give out the lineup. You have those players that are already going to grab the penny and migrate to the bench. They yep. just know. They just know, right? And that's sad. It that's is sad. It really is because maybe I'm a bit more sentimental, right? Every time I coach, I always thought that the player that played for me was my child. And I told the parents that. I said, listen, they're mine. They're my babies. They're my, they're my kids. Because that's how much for, effort you put for, into them, right? For this period. Um, and I always promise my players, you, I, I will never embarrass you. You won't hear me screaming across the field shouting at you. If I have something to talk to you about, I'll pull you off for a couple of minutes. We'll have a one-on-one, then you can go back on. I'll put a relief player in there for a couple of minutes, even if it's not their shift time. There's nothing worse than being a parent hearing your kid being screamed at by the coach. I mean, how degrading is that? You know? 
And so the crazy so part is some parents encourage that. Not only that, I feel like some parents and they, they, they want to hear the coach screaming. Either that or some parents, some parents, crazy. Some parents put themselves in a situation where they end up screaming or yelling at other kids. They're not even their own kids, and it's just, it's. And, and again, this is a conversation probably for a different day. But I feel like the 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 more we can the more we can talk about the fact that that there is something inherently wrong with the way that we treat kids in youth soccer or youth sports in general. Um, I, I think I mean, listen, there's a bunch of documentaries on Netflix or in, in any other streaming service, but specifically Netflix. I think I, I watch all the all the Last Chance You stuff, especially the basketball ones. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of that. I feel like. I, I like I like the concepts behind them, um, and you and you look at these kids who are playing in junior colleges who, for whatever A B or A B or C reason, may, were in D one or D two program and then now have to go to junior college for whatever reason or didn't make it or anything like that. A lot of them don't have a a a family support system behind right. them, right? A lot of them don't have a family support system behind them. It's just them trying to figure it out, right? It's just them trying to figure it out. We see it at the soccer perspective, at the at the um, at the biggest stages of the game, players coming from South America and different parts of the country, or the different parts of the world, where they have very little support system behind them. Right? They're the ones that are gonna take their family and, and put, give them a better life and everything else. And at times in this country, we we look at that we look at we look at our players as dollar walking dollar signs and not in a good way. We look at them as like. I need to give again. I don't, don't. Um, I don't think parents inherently want to do wrong for their kid. I think they're trying to do what they think is best for their kid at the moment. I just think at times the approach is it's it's incorrect. I just it so, so so an, an innocent statement is this: you're, you're walking down the street and a family's walking towards you and a child's got their soccer uniform on. And even if you're a stranger, the first thing you'll say to that kid is, "Did you win?" Right. Yeah. Not how yeah, did you play? Right. Did you have fun? Right. <laughs> you know, did, it's, you did you win? And it's just it's a natural comment, right? And I'm not you know, I'm not saying it's wrong, but but instantly now you're putting the it shows your interest in the conversation, right? Yeah, and the, and now you're prioritizing what is more important, right? Is it winning or is it taking part? Yeah, it's like did you win? Oh, who'd you play? Right? And it's like oh, you beat this like high level club, and it's like oh great, let's have a conversation. Yeah. It's like oh we lost. I, it's like oh I don't. Care. I have this conversation with players when I walk into them. I'm like. Hey, how'd it go? I heard you had a game. Oh, we lost. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, that's not the question I asked you. I said, how did it go? But how, how did it go? So basically, that's that's the negative yeah, of what we yeah, just spoke yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, how did it go? It's exactly the same then, thing. And There's and great then, losses you, too, right? But then you, but <laughs> that's then you, right, yeah. But then you catch the kid thinking like, wait a minute. What do you mean, how did it go? Yeah, how did it go? How Did you have fun? How did you play? How did you do? Like, I'm asking you genuinely want to know how did you do? Yeah. And I don't care if you won or lost. It doesn't matter to me. It's like, whatever. Yeah, so, and that all feeds back into the, so, so when we spoke about the environment, right? Yeah. So the culture that we have at Philadelphia Union it really does filter down from from gym and the first team through the academy system and into the youth program and we try and keep that culture alive and we try to make sure that it's just a real super positive environment um, but wasn't it last year that there was there was it was something last year that there was something about a pizza party they had a that, pizza party after one of the games after yeah, they the, won the supporters uh, no so what, hap- what happens with gym is um uh, if they have three shutouts, That's he buys is. them pizza and, 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 beer. And, and beer from um, where their country is. Yeah. So, so obviously from Jamaica and Hungary, and, and he makes sure that if they have three shutouts, 
they get beer and pizza. So he's got a sneaker plug and he's got a beer plug because, <laughs> because I know I know it's going to be hard to get some beer from some of those countries. It's not just liquor stores that are selling like like in Baza, right? There's not just beer selling from Windsor from Cameroon. Yeah, yeah it's not just Cameroon. Right. But, but, yeah. but but even that concept, right? Right. So obviously at that level, performance is everything, and results matter. Yeah, right. Results absolutely. results matter. Yep. Yep. But even at that level, something as simple as you have three shutouts. It's not. It's not. You get a bonus. It's not this or that. It's literally just a simple concept. It's just yep. pizza and beer. Yeah. And that that little motivation. Yeah. That right. it's that little motivation. So it's right? good coaching, right? It's good man yeah, management. Absolutely. That seventy fifth minute substitution really matters now, go. right? There yeah. you go. Yeah. That player well, that doesn't that's play. Exactly right. There you go. Well, it's man. I mean, it's just to show you how good Jim is at man management, right? And um, for us, you know, as coaches. We have to find that golden nugget in training sessions because when when children come to us, don't forget they've been at school all day. Yeah, yeah. Right? How do we know that someone hasn't picked on them? How do we know they've had a crappy day at school? Yeah. How do we know that they failed a te- that they have failed a test? So we've got to make sure the moment they step on the field, That's the that they, they they they've left that at the door. You know. Gotta love it, man. It was great. David, we're gonna get Dave back. I, I know we got we got it. We got We got Yeah, we got we got to do a part two. We'd love to. Um, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, I feel like I feel like again, learning, learning experience, learning opportunities for everybody, uh, and just I think again, just a continuing, uh, just to continue that aspect. Now we've, I feel like we've sat down with multiple layers of the Philadelphia Union, and we continue to find the same things, which is community based. Uh, Community-based programming. Community-based programming, people that care. And I think the most important part, again, we've sat at different levels of the club and everyone speaks the same language in the sense that everyone has the same message. And I think that that speaks tremendously for me because that means it's consistent. It is. It's a wonderful organization. And it really is. You know, it's a family. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for anyone that's not a youth affiliate program that's listening to the uh podcast right where can they find your camps your ppp program where can they find that information yes yeah, so our website so go to www.philadelphiauniannyouth.com and also we're on all the social channels as well Absolutely. there you go, there you go. there's your there's your marketing pitch for you <laughs> thanks a lot I appreciate thanks so it. much you just went from seventeen thousand to twenty thousand. <laughs> <laughs>
Sandejas. Yes. Called up to the U.S. men's national team. Played for Mexico. Twice. Twice. FIFA just announced that those games have been forfeited by Mexico. Um, and they they find them they find the Mexican uh, football federation ten thousand dollars. Well, uh, it's going so, to be, that means that next USA Mexico game is going. You might want to get your tickets now. Yeah. So it's <laughs> when's the Gold Cup final or semifinal? Go ahead, get those tickets now. Because yeah. That's, so that's be, uh, yeah. So it's Ecuador, game. Ecuador, which uh, uh, I mean, Mexico had already lost three to two, um, and then uh, and then against Guatemala, which was a zero zero draw. Um, so and they also forfeited an under twenty three match against Romania in twenty from twenty twenty one and in Saudi Arabia, um, and also Australia. Interesting. So, I mean, and also, I mean, shout out to club. It'll have a little bit of an impact. Uh, It'll have a little bit of an impact on the FIFA rankings. Yeah. Which, I mean, they got booted out in the group stage anyway, so they're already going down. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, really shout out to Club America, right? Like, you don't have to release players in a non-FIFA window. You do not. They're going to release Alejandro, Alejandro, right? Yeah. They're going to release Alejandro um, for the first game. Of the window, and then he's going to go back, back so to Club against, America. So he'll, he'll play against Serbia. He'll play against Serbia. He has a game a couple days before, fly into camp, um, and then play the game, and then go back. He won't play the second game. He'll go back to Club America. So that's a class move by them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming they they <laughs> didn't know about the impend or the incoming fines. No, um, or maybe they probably wouldn't have released him. But it's all good. Um, so yeah, but I mean a lot of young talent. I mean, you got Slonina that just left the Chicago Fire going to Chelsea. Um gonna get his first cap. Uh Sean Johnson, not, who's currently a free agent. Right, that's interesting. There's a couple I mean, free for, agents in this in this list. Yeah, your boy from Argentina. I mean, I don't understand. I mean, I guess Walker Zimmerman's in here for for uh veteran purposes. Probably. Or the fact that you're going to get replaced and here's your last chance to kind of save face before <laughs> before you get the boot. Um, Paxton Pomacall, I know we've talked about him previously on the podcast. Yes, He's getting called mm-hmm. up. Alan Signora. Yep, we'll talk about him in a second. It's Sebastian's boy. We're trying to we're trying to get some Argentinian players so we can uh, you know be World Cup champions. <clears throat> yeah. A little Argentinian bloods. Eric Williamson, he's a pretty high-level player for the Portland Timbers. Uh, Paul Ariola is an interesting one to have on this list. But I yeah. guess, again, you need some veterans on the team as well. Uh, Jesus Ferreira, World Cup guy. Matthew Hoppy making a return. Hasn't really been in the headlines since he was scoring goals, like, what, two or three years ago? Mm-hmm. And then Brandon Vasquez, man. It's a, it's a, it's a name that probably could have cracked that world cup roster yep just because he was scoring goals so i mean overall you know a lot of mls guys i mean i don't think i think there's very few non-mls based guys in this team again partly because it's a non-fifa window but 
you know, this is kind of what the future of the national team is going to look like. I think these are some players that have a chance to be players on the outside that can possibly crack a spot on the inside, you know, injury form. Um, looking forward to the, you know, 2026 World Cup. Yeah, so Alan Sonora, um, the the son of Diego Sonora, former Boca Juniors player. Um, there AK, it is. AK, <laughs> um, yeah, so <clears throat> after he left Boca Juniors, uh, so Diego Sonora played at Boca Juniors from 1988 to 1995. And then in um, 1996, he, he came over to the MLS, um, played for the Dallas Burn, and then played for the Metro Stars. So Dallas Burn is now FC Dallas. The Metro Stars is now the New York Red Bulls. Dude, the Metro Stars, the NYNJ Metro Stars. Yeah. So um, in that moment, when he was in when in 1998, that's when uh, when Allen was born uh, in New Jersey. So he holds dual citizenship, uh, Argentina and and uh, and the United States. And he's chosen to he's chosen to at least for now. Um, obviously, if he doesn't play the three games, he can still go back to Argentina if he gets called up. But it's a good opportunity for him. He's technically right now a free agent. Um, he had decided not to. So he did his youth career at Boca Juniors until 2018, and then he went to Independiente, um, the same club that uh, Aguero came from. Um, and uh, in 2019, he he started. Uh, he debuted. Um, in the first team, um, and then he's he's left. Um, uh, I remember he played. He scored. He scored a goal against Boca Juniors before, uh, which is an interesting. Which is interesting, but um, so yeah, it's a it's a good opportunity for him. He's twenty four years old, um, trying to find his next club now. Um, but I think it'll be a good opportunity for him. You asked me how was that like this kid was going to be picked up for the U.S. and I said realistically. It's just not enough. He's just not. It, unfortunately, he's not. It's not good enough for the Argentina national team. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! See, see, once they, uh, you know, see, once they win a World Cup, you see no, how they, they treat, you treat the youth he system. The, he plays in the same. He plays in the same position as McAllister. Uh, oh, he can't replace McAllister. He has played the same position as uh, as Lochelso. So, like, so he's an attacking midfielder. So it, Argentina's. <laughs> is filled with those with those players to a certain extent. Um so if he has the opportunity to play for 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 the US, that's fantastic. I think he's basically coming in to a certain extent a little bit um on that on that Brandon Aronson role. Um very similar position, very similar player to, to Brandon Aronson. Um so I think that'll be really cool for for him to potentially get some minutes in that spot. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, the other thing that'll be interesting is to see our system at play, right? Like, we talk about that. Yeah. With We've the, got the assistant the coach. coach. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of twist. I mean, obviously, you want to keep things as normal as possible, but as a coach, you're always going to put your twist. You want you want certain players to play a certain way and do different little things. So be interesting to see. Yeah. Because uh, we're a nation without a coach. Yeah. Or an official coach. Yeah. So it'll it'll definitely be interesting. I mean, I think two good tests, Serbia and, and Colombia are two good good opponents to play against. Is Hamas playing? I don't know. Is Falcao playing? <laughs> uh, I that's a, that's a hard part. I'm not entirely sure who's who's getting called up for the for the Colombian national team. 
because again it's a non-fifa window so it's going to be interesting to see who, who's all coming yeah um so here i'll tell you um if i recognize anybody um so some some mls players are getting are getting called up <clears throat> uh for the national team um so it's, a, it's an all mls it's an it's an mls friendly we found that we found the two countries that have the most mls based players and said hey is it serbia <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so so six mls players uh are coming in uh to Hernandez from the columbus crew christian arango from lafc uh then you have dylan barrero santiago moreno and then Andres reyes and juan mosquera um, the rest of the squad is uh, Alexis Paris, who plays in Turkey. Uh, Alvaro Montero is a goalkeeper, plays in Colombia. Uh, a lot of Colombian-based players. Um, yeah, so it'll, uh, Diego Valoyes, who plays in Argentina, is good. Uh, he'll be Frank Fabra, plays at Boca Juniors, got called up. Um, left back. Of course, of course. Of course, man. He always got there. He just finds Argentinians from anywhere. You guys got guys everywhere. He's actually technically an Argentinian citizen. Oh my gosh! Frank, so now man. you guys are selling. Now you guys are selling players. <laughs> Frank is my guy, man. I, I love that guy. Uh, German Camposano, who also former uh, Boca Juniors player, uh, plays in in Turkey right now. Um, so it'll be it'll be a good. I think it'll be a good squad for for Colombia, and I think it'll be a good test for the United States for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, Serbia's um, got two MLS-based guys coming. All right, there you go. And they both you guessed it. Both their last names in them with the itch. <laughs> Jova um, Jovalicic from the LA Galaxy and Petrovic from the Revolution. There you go. Oh, and uh, Veselinovic from the Whitecaps. Sorry, Canadian flag threw me off. Everybody else is from Serbia. Okay, but they. They successfully had everybody on their team. Last name ends with itch. So everybody else outside of those three players is plays in the Serbian league. Yep. Okay, that's interesting. Got a couple guys that play for Vozdovac, uh, uh, <laughs> TSC Baka Topala, and yeah, it's about as far as I can really <laughs> pronounce. <laughs> pronounce. Some, I'll just tell you this: everybody's last name starts with itch or ends with itch. Okay. Um, all right. Before we before we get to the player of the match, um, let's talk about the, the whoever whoever came up with this made, made some money, didn't they? But they also they 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 were they got a crystal ball, man. Asking for the lotto numbers. So uh, yesterday, uh, PSG. Uh, played against uh, the Riyadh Eleven, which is the Ronaldo, guy. Ronaldo, and whoever else is <laughs> Ronaldo okay and enough friends. to play with Ronaldo. Ronaldo and friends, the Riyadh All Stars. Uh, which I don't think any of them are his friends. The All Stars <laughs> really only came out of two teams, <laughs> uh, which are a combination of uh, Al Nasser and Al Hilal from Saudi Arabia. Um, some notable names. Um, on on both squads, um, or or on or on the uh, on the Riyadh on Riyadh eleven, uh, the Ronaldo and friends, uh, the Ronaldo and friends, um, 
I would say that PT Martinez, uh, no yeah. name for, for those that, that follow the MLS and Atlanta United. Are you um, Argentinian fans? And Argentinian fans. Um, uh, you had to throw that one in there first, right? Yeah, I mean, he's a river you know, kid, but, you know, fine. We'll, we'll give it to him. Good player. Um, and then, yeah, and then obviously Cristiano Ronaldo making his first 2023 uh, game coming in, scoring two goals. Um, in what was an interesting game right off the bat, just because three minutes in the game, Messi scores a goal. Then Cristiano Ronaldo gets punched in the face by <laughs> Kaylor Navas, uh, or elbowed in the face by Kaylor Navas. Um, oh, man, yeah, that was that had some uh, they weren't in the same group in the World Cup, were they? No, that was Spain, that was in the no, group Spain and Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Yeah. Uh, he's still mad about the seven goals he gave up, and he's probably yeah. still mad at Ronaldo for. Yeah, making him the number two at Madrid for scoring so many goals in training. <laughs> this is your fault that I'm here. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then uh, Bernat gets gets sent off 39 minutes into the game, and I texted you and I was like, "All right, the game's even now, like 10 against 11. Like it might be, it might be an even game." And it was. Uh, so the game ends ends five to four. Uh, Neymar score or misses the worst PK ever. Um. And then you know, yeah, oh, Messi PK's being all <laughs> PKs out yeah. here. Uh yeah, Marquinhos, Sergio Ramos scores, and then um Hun Su Jung scored. Yeah, Taliska scored. Yeah, so again, scoring scoring galore. You can uh, even say the best player that scored. <laughs> Mbappe? Yeah. Yeah. Uh he scored off a of PK though. Um <laughs> So, but the, the funny part is that this this entire this entire game friendly, whatever you want to call it, was was scheduled before. It was supposed to actually be played a year ago in twenty twenty two, but because of COVID, it got delayed. Um, and uh, but it was so it was planned way well before Messi was going to be signing for PSG, and obviously well before Ronaldo was going to be signing with Al Nasser. So, uh, so great forward thinking on this. They did a, an auction for a for one of the tickets. It started at like two hundred thousand dollars. Ended up being million. sold for two point six million dollars. Uh, so somebody made some money. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of people made some money. PSG got ten million euros for playing in this game. Yeah. So everybody, everybody made some money. Um, and I think Ronaldo has a you said Ronaldo has a clause in his contract that he has to run across the field and celebrate every time he scores. No, I said, I said, no, no, no. What I said to you was if this is what it's going to be like in 2023 for him, like not that PSG was not a not a formidable opponent, but the way he scored this goal, his second goal, um, I just feel like in the Saudi Arabia League, this guy is going to end up. Because he runs, he runs to the corner flag every time he scores a goal, so he's going to end up tracking more miles on this corner flag runs than he is in the regular game. Just because I think he's going to end up scoring like four or five goals a game. Yeah, and well, that's what I think. It's in the contract, man. They want to see the the Sue celebration. Yeah, yeah. So, we didn't sign you not to see that. We got to see the the trademark. That's a, a marketing team's on it. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, you all think right. They're hiring. Uh, maybe. It, it might be. You never know. Um, I got to right. move to solo, though. I don't think they'll change the rules for me. <laughs> what? <laughs> like they changed for Ronaldo. You got to be married to live with somebody. 
so that they might not they might not yeah. change the rules for me. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta get a, you gotta get a ring, man. You gotta get a ring. Um, all right, who's your favorite player or your player of the match? Player of the match goes out to Barcelona, whooping up on Madrid in the uh, Supercopa de España, which is also played in the. Everyone's playing Boca Juniors and, today. Today plays in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, everybody's playing. In, I mean, it is like a warm place to play this time of year. I mean, the Italian Super Cup final was also played there. <laughs> like, so you went from like World Cup final to Super <laughs> Copa de España, and then yeah, PSG playing the the uh, Saudi Arabia 11s. So there's a lot of just matches being played in the Middle East, but yeah, yeah, Barcelona absolutely thrashing Real Madrid. I mean. Benzema got a consolation goal, but it was over after 70 minutes. Um, so, yeah, shout out to Barcelona for just bringing Tiki Taka back and just thrash Real Madrid. Um, all right. My player of the match goes out to Maximiliano Spinazzi. And I just sent you the link to to why Maximiliano is uh, is getting the player of the match award. Uh, so Maximiliano is a farmer in, oh my uh, gosh. in, in Argentina and uh, he used an algorithm to calculate where the seeds needed to go uh, on a corn on a giant like crop field so the corn the, the crops would come out in the shape of uh, the corn could come out in the shape of Messi's face I mean, I give you this. That is phenomenal. <laughs> that is it, it, it like it is a wild idea. If but it, the yeah, way so it came it up, out, look it up, look it up. Uh, just either Google Maximiliano Spinazzi or you know, messy cornfield. That it's a far it is out it's an out there idea, but it did come out legit. Like apparently with the beard and everything. It, you can view it from space. Uh, which I am looking at it off a satellite picture of it from space. Uh, I will send that to you too. Uh, you can look at it. You can see it from space, man. Like it is, it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, These guys love messy. My shoes are pulling up to the house. <laughs> I told you, speak. I told you last week, man, like we're, uh, I told you, man, we're Messi's going to be on this podcast. <laughs> Well, Messi, uh, Messi's Adidas doesn't say you think Messi's gonna come out with some Jordans, but no, nah, Messi's Adidas. Messi might come out with some. Uh, what are they called? The um, uh, what are the what are the Adidas like? Uh, I forget what they're called. Not the ones that start with a Y. I don't know what that means. No, not those. No, 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 not those. Not those. <laughs> no, not those. Not those. Uh, no. What what are they called? The um, like the sneakers that are super expensive. Ultra Boost. Uh, the ultra boost. I was wondering where you were going with this. He's, he's like, gonna, the only ones I can think of. No, no, no. He's going to come up with some messy ultra boost. Um, so that's my play of the match, Maximiliano, uh, for for creating a fantastic. Uh, player of the match. I'm changing my player of the match to the USPS man. <laughs> my day. I've been waiting a week. I bought these shoes last Friday at the convention. At the convention, somehow Kyle bought these for his daughter, and he got them on Tuesday. <laughs> and he sends me a picture and mine are like still in tennessee oh man this guy here today that's funny all right on this day in soccer history um this is a this is one of those history lessons for all of us um 
So January 20th, 1983, unfortunately, uh, one of the greatest soccer players to ever play um, passed away um, at the age of 49. Um, so Manuel Francisco Los Santos, a.k.a. best known as just Garincha, um, was a right winger for Brazil in the 1950s. Uh, late 40s, 1950s, um, played, or sorry, late late 50s, sorry, 50s to the 70s, um, played on the national team, on the Brazilian national team, 1955 to 1966, won two World Cups, uh, won it in 1958, 1962. In 1962, uh, Pele got injured um, a couple games into the World Cup, so he only played one or two games in the World Cup. Um, he became the first player in a World Cup to win the Golden Boot or the Golden Ball, which was the player tournament, and the Golden Boot, um, and also win the World Cup. So he became the first player to win all three of those awards in one World Cup. Um, I was going to say you're the last player to do it, but he didn't win the Golden Boot. He did not win the Golden Boot. Uh, it was one goal away. Um, um, There's defenders, he, man. <laughs> he was, uh, I watched some videos of him. Um, if you've never seen watch Garincha play, I encourage you to 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 Google him or put him on YouTube, watch some videos. The idea of beating a player as with a simple move was just using the outside of your foot to push the ball past somebody. Um, was his like signature move. That was his thing. Um kids all over the world are just doing that now. Yeah. Push it past somebody. Unfortunately, um unfortunately he, he had a tough he had a tough go out of it, um, both in his professional career and his, his personal life. Um, dealt with uh, a lot of alcohol problems. Um, and ultimately, that's how, that's the reason why he passed away. Um, so uh, it was interesting when he was um, when he was when he was growing up, um, his right leg was uh, six centimeters shorter than his left leg. And his left leg turned outwards and his right leg turned inwards. Um, his daughter, or his, the doctors, sorry, the doctors uh, certified him as crippled when he was little. Interesting. Yeah. Um, he was smaller than everybody else when he was little. That's why they called him Garincha, little bird. That's in Portuguese. Little bird. Little bird. Um, yeah. Um, so, but he was. Um, you know, he didn't really arrive into professional football until he was later into his teenagers, teenager, teenage years. Um, he didn't really want to play professional soccer, um, but he did. <laughs> his parents, his parents drove him. To, <laughs> yeah, his parents, parents drove him to practice and said, "This is what you're gonna do." Yeah, played the majority of his career at Botafogo, um, and again, winning two World Cups uh, amongst his many accolades. Um, he was named he was on the uh fifa um fifa world cup all-star team he was also in the world team of the century uh he was in the world cup all-time uh team inductee he was uh number 20th in the world's greatest players of the 20th century um they need to bring back some of these all-star games. Yeah, he's he's part of the IFA 
IFFHS Legends, which is the like the federation of like stats, stats international and sports, right? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, South American player of the 20th century is in fourth place for that. World player of the 20th century for IFHS FFHS. Uh, he's the only, he's the second, you know, player of the top top 20 in the 20th century. Like accolades galore. Um, so absolutely fantastic for him. Um, and unfortunate for his death. I mean, he died at the age of 49. Um, yeah. But yeah, so learn something new about a player that that pushed the game forward for for a lot of people. Um, all right, fair play of the week. Fair play um, of the week. Yeah, my my fair play of the week. Um, it, it it's a really this one's tough. Um, mine goes out to to Anton Walks. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Anton walks, uh, player for Charlotte FC originally from England played at Tottenham, um, at the age of 25 passed away, uh, this week, uh, in a boating accident in Florida, um, where Charlotte FC was doing it a preseason. Um, so it's, it's extremely unfortunate, obviously for, for a player that, that young, um, so, you know, uh, our thoughts go out to his family and the entire Charlotte FC and the MLS community. So, um, yeah, that's my fair play of the week. Uh, my fair play of the week. That's a tough one to follow. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> no, my fair play of the week is going to go out to, uh, one of my players, fathers, Mr. Robinson. I can't think of his first name, Kent Robinson Kent. and Eric Wilson for allowing me to use their facility. Uh, yeah. my yeah. indoor teams stuff. great facility great school um you know like awesome middle school not even a middle school intermediate school gym so shout out to them for allowing me to train and use their facility um yeah good stuff well um great first official episode back just the two of us or at least for you know for from the recording standpoint back in make sure you follow us on uh on instagram at the soccer podcast um got a lot of things coming for 2023 um so yeah, really cool stay tuned to just check in on our interviews from week to week we got some awesome stuff coming up yep yep at the soccer podcast on instagram um thanks for joining us this week and remember always receive the ball on your front foot